Let's talk movies. Yeah, that's right. You heard me correct. This is a podcast about my life, and we usually talk about entrepreneur stuff because this is the come up. What's up? My name is Zach Snyder. Comp is a show where I talk about the successes and the failures, the ups and the downs of being a creative entrepreneur in current year. But today we're starting something different on the podcast. I watch a, I I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of movies, and unfortunately, I don't have the time to make full on videos or reviews of them anywhere except on my letterbox. You can follow me at letterbox.com slash Zack Snyder prod. If you want to see all of my hot movie takes, but uh, it, it is, it is unfortunate that I, I really don't have any other place to talk about movies. And I like, I love them so much now. It's a thing where I used to not watch film at all growing up. Like movies would be up on the TV and I'd like watch them with the family but then like halfway through, I'd get a book and start reading or I'd blink out or I'd fall asleep. And I was just like, I don't, I don't care about no dumbass motion picture. I'd rather read a book or play a video game or do something. But then something clicked uh, back in like 2017. I decided to start doing a couple of movie reviews on my YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, wait a second. If I, if I pay attention to the movie... There's actually a lot I can get out of it. Film is almost the the ultimate art form. Back in the uh, back in the early 1900s, there were a lot of people in the the classical music era uh, that would be like uh, opera. They'd be like opera is the ultimate art form because you're taking theater, you're taking music, you're taking script writing, you're taking choreography, you're putting all these things together. It's, it's like a really, really big piece of art. But I would argue that like film and then I guess like video games too because you get that interactive element. But I feel like film, if you're looking for something passive um, that, that you can still be pretty engaged in, like film is the, the all-in be-all, in my opinion, when it comes to art. There's so many different things you can get out of it. There's so many things I get out of it now. And since really... Since 2017, I've seen about 400, 500 films. But since the end of 2019, that was when I really started like watching multiple films a week. I was like, man, I really love what you can get out of this medium. And so I've seen a lot of good films. I've seen a lot of bad films. And like I said, because I don't have time to make videos on everything that I consume, I haven't had a chance to really talk about a lot of these films. So, with the come up coming back, I was like, yo, what if I did a monthly film wrap up? And and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about all the films that I watched in January of 2021. I watched 20 films in January, which is pretty cool. Uh, but it's it's kind of crazy because I watched a lot of them in the first half, specifically from January 1st to January 14th which was my birthday. That's right. Just tell me happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> but then the, uh, the entire like second half of January, I didn't watch anything because I've been getting busy with, uh, with work and everything. So that's kind of uh, unfortunate, but I still, I still saw 20 films. That's a lot more than, than, than most people will see in a, in a month. So I'm pretty happy with that. Anyways, let's, let's talk about all of them. I'm going to go, I guess, worst to best. 
I think that's the best way to do it. Although best to worst would probably be equally as funny. Let's just let's just start with worst to best. Number twenty of the month, Amish abduction. I uh, <laughs> I got a little service called Discovery Plus, a little streaming service. All the Discovery Channel stuff, HBO, not HBO, HGTV, Food Network, TLC. All these reality shows that like your mom and dad used to watch when you were young, they put it all on a streaming service. And now, because I'm getting older myself, being 45, you know, uh, birthday just came up again. Tell me happy birthday. I decided, hey, <laughs> Discovery Plus <laughs> kind of sounds interesting. Let me get it. So I got it, and they have Lifetime on there. And they don't have as many movies on there as I would like, but they do have a handful of movies on the Lifetime section, and one of them was called Amish Abduction. And, uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> it was really awful. Um, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, though. Uh, my, my letterbox review reads, I'm giving this a one star because I can't go any higher. But I am amazed at how ridiculously entertaining this was. I felt like I was watching an Amish soap opera. This, this film literally starts off with an Amish dude in the woods talking to this like backwoods hillbilly guy to get him to buy to get alcohol from him he, he buys alcohol um you know illegally in the amish world you're not supposed to drink alcohol at all so he buys alcohol from this dude out in the woods and it it's just like from there to the very end things just happen and uh, the entire plot of the film is this this dude is married to this woman in an amish town and they have a kid and he's decided that being Amish isn't what he wants to do anymore. And he doesn't want his kid to live there. So he literally just like kidnaps his kid. And then they, the, the court ends up giving custody to the woman. Because it's a Lifetime original. Plus like the, the father's not good. He's like getting drunk and, and just taking his kid away from everything that he knows. Including his mother. It's like he's, he's definitely a shitty character. And all these Lifetime movies, they're, they're supposed to revolve around, like, a strong, uh, heroic female type. Which, you know, good for them, bro. Good for them, honestly. I'm kind of interested in watching more of them if they're even, like, slightly as entertaining as this was. But, yeah, like, it's it's obviously bad. The script is abhorrent. But uh, it's 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 got entertainment value, I tell you that. Uh, but it was still it was still the worst thing I watched this month. Fortunately, like everything else is like better and I still had fun with this one. So, you know, we're going to skip through a couple of these um, or get through them a little bit quicker. I just had more to talk about Amish abduction. Number 19, The Minimalist, Less Is Now. One of my favorite YouTubers, Matt Diavella, he talks about productivity, minimalism, being a creator, uh, all that kind of stuff. He directed and edited this minimalist documentary he also directed and edited another documentary a few years ago by the same guys uh, and it follows just kind of like what minimalism is with the story of these two these two dudes. Unfortunately, I was very bored and unimpressed with this documentary. Like I, I love Matt Diavella, highly recommend his YouTube channel and, and what he did here with the editing and the directing was like fine. Like that I don't have a bad bone in my body against him but uh the the two dudes that the film is focused on are like telling the story of being a minimalist 
and apparently they're just taking taking stuff from their TED talk and they're just putting it into the script and apparently it's almost like a carbon copy of the first minimalism movie they did a few years ago both of which you can find on Netflix so it's not even a thing where like the first one was super independent and the second one got the Netflix deal they both were on Netflix so it's kind of weird like I don't know why this exists uh, other than to try to get minimalism in the mainstream which I mean you know cool uh, there just wasn't a lot of like like nothing like this movie was nothing like they they took minimalism to heart and and they left me they left me with nothing i personally am interested in getting more minimalist with certain aspects of my life but yeah i don't i don't recommend this this at all i think i gave it like a two and a half star like like a five out of ten so you know cool uh next on the list is enola holmes actually gave the minimalist a, a four out of ten so Amish deduction a two out of ten next we're going to go with number 18 Enola Holmes about the sister of Sherlock Holmes played by Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things fame uh, we've we've got our boy what's his name he plays Superman and the Witcher uh, Henry Cavill plays Sherlock Holmes uh, this is the easiest 5 out of 10 I've ever given in my entire life. I, I watched this movie while doing some of my taxes. So, you know, cool. Millie Bobby Brown was good. Like, kudos to her. Hopefully she gets more interesting work in the future. Uh, because really, she's the only interesting part of this movie. Everything else was like boring. boring it bland. And like, I don't even get the target demographic. Like, is it for younger girls? To get into Sherlock Holmes. That's cool. But I feel like even if my younger sisters watched this movie. They wouldn't enjoy it. Because it was boring. Anyways. Number 17. Mitt. Mitt. A. <laughs> uh, it's a documentary. About Mitt Romney. From 2014. And I watched this on my birthday. Thanks Jay. Really appreciate you bro. For making me watch this on my birthday. Uh, no, uh, it was it was fine. I gave it a six out of ten. Most of it was just kind of boring. There's a lot of clips of just like Mitt Romney and his family. A lot of uncomfortable, uh, an uncomfortable amount of white people laughing clips. Uh, but but my favorite part of this was that they don't hold back in making fun of Mitt Romney. They kind of tackle his his past two times of running for presidents. Yeah, for president, apparently he ran in 2008, and then he lost to John McCain in the primaries. Then he ran again in 2012, and, you know, he lost to Barack Obama. Uh, and Mitt, Mitt was never really a good candidate. Poor dude, because he seemed like a nice guy in this documentary. And over the last few years, I've seen him progressively um, do better on his policies and <laughs> actually not try to be this... Uh, you know, very relatable dude, even though he's like super rich. Um, you know, he's he stood with the Black Lives Matter movement. He's openly said um, that he doesn't support a lot of what the Republican Party has been doing lately that I don't support as well. Um, so, you know, kudos to him. But kudos to this documentary for making fun of him a lot. They compare this man to John Kerry like five times. And I, I laughed. I laughed so much. I also love that the final shot of this documentary is just a newspaper that says Obama wins. 
it's uh it's it's really funny so shout out to the filmmakers here um you know i don't really recommend it but maybe if you're into politics you might get something out of this what i do recommend though is my number 16 pick and that is hotel for dogs <laughs> so hotel for dogs um it's not good but i thought it could be a lot worse the the worst part about it is like the script is not good the acting isn't good the music is pretty generic and out of place but but i will say for a kids movie i felt like the director actually made an effort to be creative there's a lot of like creative shots there's a lot of creative editing the story while very bland um i feel like there's there's a lot of things that this director does to try to make it more interesting plus it's got a bunch of dogs and like like dogs are pretty cute so you know that's cool um do i recommend hotel for dogs absolutely emma roberts i'm gonna watch every movie emma roberts has been in that's one of my plans in the next couple of years so get hyped you'll hear more about her later but uh, <laughs> hotel for dogs six out of ten number 15 death to 2020 so as most people know the year 2020 wasn't particularly good there was a lot of bad things that happened and the, the good folks at Netflix and some of the writers and directors of Black Mirror decided to make a, do, a mockumentary about 2020. They have like some celebrities like Samuel L. Jackson, uh, the one girl that plays Phoebe off of Friends, um, some other people. And they just kind of talk about the year of 2020. There's a lot. There's a lot of it. Uh, part of it is funny. There were definitely some funny moments, but it's, it's also like a mix of, Hey, let's all laugh at the pain the year caused. And then also like millionaire celebrities milking a topic to make more money at the expense of everybody else. When, even though like, I'm not saying people with a bunch of money didn't have a tough time last year, but, uh, people with a bunch of money could have shielded themselves from a lot of problems that a lot of people had last year and are still having in 2021. So it's like, if you like dark comedy, you'll probably enjoy this. Maybe even get some catharsis out of it. But uh, if you're ready to just move on from last year as quickly as possible, I, I would probably skip this one. Number 14 is Spotlight. Uh, Moonlight. Uh, uh Spotlight is a 2015 film. It won Best Picture. Uh, in 2016, I believe it was. Yeah, it would have been the year after 2015. Um, it's all right. It's a, I give it an eight out of 10 cause I, I didn't really dislike it, but it's a, it's a movie about the spotlight section in a newspaper and they highlight like a big controversy with the Catholic church and bunch of nasty priests doing nasty things to little boys so it's like a it's it's a good thing that like this true story that this happened that people were able to tell this story and and um kind of you know stop putting a lot of these priests on a pedestal because they've done a lot of bad things um and by making a movie it makes even more people aware of what's happening unfortunately like the, i was just kind of bored for most of this there's like a few scenes that were really good and that's what brings it up to the eight for me. The 
cast is really solid. It's got like Mark Ruffalo and like um Birdman. Can't remember his name right now. Michael Keaton. A uh, lot, a lot of good cast members here. Uh, act, so acting was really good. Story itself was interesting. Direction was the thing that really killed me. It was just kind of boring in the the direction aspect. But like you know, whatever. Move on. Number thirteen, and this is disappointing to me. Number thirteen is Hot Fuzz. A um, cool. I I, I just forget about film apparently if I don't watch anything for for a couple weeks. Hot Fuzz is an Edgar Wright joint. I was trying to remember Edgar Wright's name. Uh, Hot Fuzz was all right. I, I think I should have watched Shaun of the Dead before this because I've only ever seen one other Edgar Wright movie before this, and that was Baby Driver. And I loved Baby Driver, but I was kind of disappointed by this one. I still gave it, gave it an 8 out of 10. And, like, the direction's dope. Like, Edgar Wright really knows how to create a film that doesn't waste any time at all. But I, I feel like because I don't watch a lot of buddy cop movies, and this movie is a really big parody of buddy cop movies, that there's some stuff that I didn't get out of it. Plus, it's also got like this British comedy angle. And like some British comedy can be pretty funny. Uh, sometimes it's just not funny. And I didn't laugh nearly as much as this movie wanted me to. So, like, I'll, I'll probably rewatch this. Probably going to rewatch it in the living room or whatever. I also, I watched this with my friend Parker, and he fell asleep in the middle of the movie. So, maybe that also hurt my enjoyment because my friend betrayed me. But other than that, like, it was, it was I. Number 12, Under the Skin, 2013. Another film that disappointed me. I still gave it an 8 out of 10. But, like, I was expecting a 10 out of 10 masterpiece here. Under the Skin is very Kubrick-esque. That is to say, it requires a lot of patience, a lot of attention. There's, like, this artistic intent behind it uh, that, that, that makes you have to, like, think about the deeper meanings of it. And that's cool. And I love that shit. But uh, this movie is, like, it's very sterile. I didn't get an emotional response out of this movie at all. It really only wanted me to like think about it. And I just, um, I didn't care as much as I had wanted. So that's kind of disappointing to me. Also, I feel like I overhyped this movie in my head too. Cause I have owned the Blu-ray for a while. I've known about it for a while. When I started really getting into films, these were, this was one of those like few Films of the last decade that I was like, ooh, I'm going to hold on to this for a little while and I'll eventually watch it and I'll love it. And I, I didn't love it. And maybe if I rewatch it, maybe I'll love it then. But, you know, whatever. Number 11, Trial of the Chicago 7. Really good movie. Really fantastic film. Another good old 8 out of 10. There's going to be a lot of 8 out of 10s. So get hyped. Um, while I... Again, while I really enjoyed Trial of Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, ooh, baby, he, he is such a good writer. Social Network is easily one of my favorite films of all time. Unfortunately, the director of the tri Trial of Chicago 7 isn't as good as Aaron Sorkin uh, is at writing. And, and who would you know directed this movie? It's Aaron Sorkin. So he really should have just gotten a different director like <coughs> David Fincher. <coughs> 
Uh, maybe David Fincher would have would have worked really well on this, because the the directing is is very very slow, very uh, not 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 that interesting. While the 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 writing is like fantastic all the way through. We also spend a ton of time in the courthouse in this in this movie, and like it didn't need to be that much time in the courtroom. So that's. A little unfortunate, but like acting, really, really good. So Sasha Baron Cohen, fantastic. Michael Keaton, great. Yeah, I didn't even know Michael Keaton was gonna be in the movie, and he's only in there for like one scene. So pleasantly surprised by that. Easily could see like certain scenes of this movie going in like a top scenes of twenty twenty film, but uh, the movie itself, like it was, it was going like go watch it, but it, I didn't, I didn't love it. Let me tell you a movie that I did love, though. That's my number 10 pick. Top 10, baby. Jennifer's Body. This movie... <laughs> I also gave this an 8 out of 10. But, like, there's part of me that wants to give it a 10 out of 10. Jennifer's Body is a... Um, it's like... It's like Twilight. If, uh, if Twilight was better. And... Oh, it's so hard to explain. It's so hard to explain. But this movie kicked ass. Like, that's that's all I'm going to say. Uh, go watch it if you hadn't already. It's like a... I think it's a classic at this point. I, I, I freaking loved it. I was so shocked at so many things that happened in this movie. It's such a fun, funny, and entertaining film. Highly recommend it. Number nine. The Way Back. Starring Sad Ben Affleck. Uh, Affleck, is it Affleck? No, that's the, uh, that's the insurance company, right? Ben Affleck, he's sad in this movie. He's a drunken mess. And he, he coaches a high school basketball team at a private Christian high school. And it's a, it's a good movie. Like, it's, it's pretty solid. Can't really say much about this. Again, 8 out of 10. I enjoyed it. Um, it's got like this indie presence. It's definitely got a bigger budget than I think most indie films would, but it's very somber. It's very low key. I love that about it. It's a sports movie without being about the sports as much. It's less about the team and their redemption story and more so about the man who coaches them and him trying to have a redemption story. There's not really much of a redemption. Like it's, it's weird. It has a satisfying, hopeful ending. And for that, I really appreciated it. Number eight is Amelie, a 2001 quirky, quirky ass French film. I gave this a nine out of 10. And I think it's a movie that I could bring up to a 10 if I rewatched it and loved it or bring it down to an eight if I rewatched it and didn't care as much. But I will say uh, this movie got a lot of interesting aspects to it, which I I really like. There's a lot of like it, it's like a um, it's like a fairy tale. The movie is very much like a fairy tale. The editing, the music, the colors, everything works really well to to make like a stylistic masterpiece. It took me a time to get into the narrative. Um, I think I was a little distracted. I watched this with my friend Parker. He wanted to show it to me. And we were talking about other stuff. And so I feel like I lost some of the dialogue. So I definitely need to rewatch it. But uh, it, it's a good movie. And I definitely want to watch it again. 
and see if I end up loving it more than, than I ended up doing this time. Another 9 out of 10 on the list. Mean Girls. 2004 Mean Girls. Number 7. Uh, I'd never seen Mean Girls. I watched Mean Girls 2 in college with some friends randomly. Don't really remember much about that. That was before I really cared about watching films. But Mean Girls 1, uh, this movie kind of goaded. It's really, really fun. It's really entertaining. The script is kind of batshit insane. Uh, <laughs> all the acting is like really solid for, for the actresses that are here. Uh, like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Mean Girls. I would rewatch Mean Girls. I have no qualms with Mean Girls. Moving on. Number six, Minari. Minari is a 2020, I guess it's more of a 2021 film because it hasn't been fully released yet. But this movie was so sweet. I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's about this, uh, it's about like this family in the 80s. They're a, um, I believe, I believe they're a Korean family. And while there's definitely like this aspect of like the multicultural family dynamic in America thing going on here, this is way more about like the American dream and how your your family can impact your career choices. It, it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of depth in this. I felt like, and it's it's definitely a movie that I want to rewatch. The soundtrack, it's so good. Oh man, this is perhaps probably like number two or three on my favorite soundtracks of 2020. Uh, number one would go to Soul. Number two or three, depending on my mood, would go to Mank. But uh, it's good. It's really good. The whole cast does a fantastic job. The the relationship between between like the main kid and his grandmother is just perfect. It's a, like I said, it's a really sweet film. It's, it's just very low-key, down-to-earth, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. Number five, kind of the opposite of sweet and down-to-earth, is uh, The Five Bloods, the newest uh, Spike Lee joint. Almost forgot Spike Lee's name. It will be a little bit late in the evening for me. Um, So... The Five Bloods, it's number five on my list. Obviously enjoyed it. Given a 10 out of 10. Everything above this is a 10 out of 10. This movie, like, it, it's good. Like, it's a masterwork. And it, it weaves, like, numerous historical events into, like, this centralized theme. It's got, like... Like, I finally understand Spike Lee's style now. The only other film of his I've ever watched was back was Black Klansman back in, like... 2018 so or I guess it was 2019 I don't really remember anyways um I I, I liked that movie but it was kind of weird to like understand why Spike Lee had the music choices that he did and why he was incorporating current events into the movie and then watching Defy Bloods I'm like oh he's doing the exact same thing here it's a very big stylistic choice of him his, and like, I get it. Like I actually completely honest, like completely understand it. Now he's not afraid to be brutally honest about his message. And I really, really admire that. There's also like a great cast into five bloods. Uh, Delroy Lindo. He was banging Jonathan majors. It's the second film I've seen him in. And I loved him seeing Chadwick Boseman in this role. 
after his passing was was kind of surreal. Um, really, really sad. I still need to watch uh, Black Raimi's, was it Ma Black Raimi's, Ma Raimi's something. Um, I can't ever remember the title of that movie. I still need to see that. Apparently that's like one of Chadwick Boseman's best performances. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one. But um, yeah, The Five Bloods. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to talk too much about it. Deals with a lot of like the lasting effects of war. Shows the effects of PTSD. There's a lot of messages of friendship, brotherhood, forgiveness. It's a fantastic film. Go watch it if you haven't already seen it. One of the best of the last year for sure. Number four is Shit House. And yeah, that's what it's called. You, you might be wondering, what is this movie even about? It's about college. This this dude who's literally like my age, uh, graduated from college, decided he was going to make a movie about his first year of college. And uh, wow, like it's it's really good. I give it a 9 out of 10. I did like this a little bit more than Defy Bloods, even though Defy Bloods I gave a 10. I, I feel like this is, because it's a debut film, because it's so, it's another one of those like low-key films, um, very much like an independent uh, vibe to it, but man, like it, it is, it is so real, the, this, this freshman who's nervous about college, he's homesick, he, he meets this girl, and they talk, and they have like this really good night, where they're like connecting on so many levels and then a couple of things happen. And it's like for a movie where most of its runtime is set on like one particular night, it's pretty, pretty crazy how, how engaged I was. Definitely recommend this movie. If you had any issues in college whatsoever, I didn't really relate too much to the main character's struggle but I think anybody that goes to college, like their freshman year is so, it's such a wildly different experience than you really are ever going to be prepared for. So I think, I think anybody that's been to college would, would probably appreciate this movie. But next up on my list, number three, my top film of 2021, that's Soul, the new Disney Pixar movie, Soul. This movie, I've seen it twice now. Uh, I, I freaking, oh man, I freaking adore it. Everything about it is like perfect. I, I feel like not only is like stylistically, it's such a strong movie. The animation freaking, freaking fantastic. I love the, the art, the designs of the characters. I love the music. There's like a throwaway line to Tetris that I found like very funny. There's like this existential what is the meaning of life kind of thing to it. Everything, like, I, I felt, like, such a deep emotional attachment to this film. And almost feels like it was made for me. Like, it's it's that crazy. I used to want to teach music. I've been so ingrained as, as a musician for so long. And there's just so many aspects of this film that, like, I could relate to. And, and it's just, man. Man, what this movie talks about when it comes to, like, the purpose of life... Un, unmatched. I've never really watched a film quite like it. Uh, really, really loved it. And it's like, it's a good movie for families. Like, there's some really funny stuff here. And uh, some, some things that kind of caught me off guard. So, anybody that tells you that Soul is not a good movie, you should stop talking to them immediately. 
Number two on my list is the good old Charlie Kaufman joint, Synecdoche, New York, from 2008. Uh, this is a rewatch. This is my third time I've rewatched this since 2019. And I still love it so, so much. I wrote like an entire essay this time on Letterboxd about it. And I don't, I'm not going to go into that right now. But Synecdoche, New York is about a man who is trying to kind of figure out his life purpose. Similar to Soul, he's working on his life purpose. It's got to do with him being a playwright. He, um, he wants to go out and do this gigantic play. And it, th this movie talks a lot about like the fragility of life. It talks a lot about like the, um, the finding the right purpose in your art. There's, there's a lot of tragedy. There's so, there's so many messages that like you could get out of Synecdoche, New York. It's insane. Uh, some people might not like it and like, that's fine. Two of my friends that I've watched this with both did not like this movie nearly as much as I, I did. In fact, I would probably go to say that they disliked it because it does get a little wacky. It gets a little out of hand. The ending is very, very confusing. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can interpret it, but like, I love it. I, I really do. And I, I, it's Synecdoche, New York is one of those movies that like, I'm going to continue watching the older I get. And as I age, it's going to, it's, it's going to impact me in different ways. And I'm really excited about that. But let's talk about my favorite film that I watched in January of 2021. And that is drum roll, please. It's whiplash. A movie about drums. So, uh, you know, thanks for watching. Glad I could make that joke. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, Whiplash, Damien Chazelle, 2014. Oh, oh, man. I think this is my favorite movie of all time now. Like, this is only the second time I've seen it. The first time I watched it, I think I watched it at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. Don't really remember completely, but this movie, it is the most engaging it's the most engaged I've ever been watching literally anything. Like there's a couple of other films that come close, but like even then, like it's still no contest. Whiplash is like, it perfectly encapsulates everything surrounding trying to be great at something, whether that's music, whether that's making videos, whether that's art, whether that's being an athlete, whatever it may be, this movie literally makes me so ambitious after I've seen it. It makes me want to get to the grindstone and make my dreams happen. It also makes me want to quit everything at the same time. Whiplash literally gives me whiplash. I, I had my heart racing at the ending of that movie and I've done it. I've watched it twice and it's, I still have such a guttural reaction to it. It's, it's, it's perfect. I think this movie is perfect. And then on the other side of things, like there's there's a lot of really funny moments of it. Um, if you don't know anything about Whiplash, basically this kid played by Miles Teller is in college. He's he's in a music conservatory. He wants to be the best drummer ever. He starts studying under the, the teacher played by J.K. Simmons, and J.K. Simmons is a little rough on him. To, Point where he like throws things at him and cusses him out and tells him that maybe he shouldn't be such a low life. Like, you know, 
that kind of thing. <laughs> and J.K. Simmons' performance here, it's um, it's easily like the funniest, the funniest performance, and also the scariest performance I think I've ever seen in film. So while it's like got all these very like deep seated issues in people trying to be great at something and teachers like shoving things down their their students' throats and and trying to beat the shit out of them until they become perfect at what they're doing. While all of that is like really important and that shit really impacts me a lot. Um it's also just like it's funny, it's engaging, it's entertaining, the editing is fucking fantastic. The music is obviously gonna be great. It's about jazz music. Like I, I, I just I just love this movie. I can never I, I don't think I'll ever get bored of it. Um, I've seen the ending of this movie like multiple times, even though I've only seen it twice, because it's it's just good. Like it's it's perfect. I don't know. I had to uh, I had to move a movie off of my top four uh, favorite films on Letterbox just to replace it with Whiplash. That's how good it is. Anyways, it's thirty six minutes, thirty seven minutes. I didn't mean this for this to be this long, but uh, apparently I like talking about movies, so that's pretty cool. We'll be back next month. To talk about the movies I watch in February. Though I don't know how many I'm going to see. Because right now I'm currently like really busy with work stuff. And get this. I mentioned it last time. But I'm watching Pokemon for the first time. So that's taking up a little bit of time. And I'm watching Supernatural with my friend Jay. I finally got back into watching some of that. Uh, finished up season 2. Watched all of season 3. Just started season 4. And there's like 15 seasons of that. So I think instead of watching a lot of films this year, because 2020 was like such a film heavy year for me, I think I'm going to actually like spend a little more time watching some TV shows, catching up on some anime. Uh, I, I know I want to see Attack on Titan because because motherfuckers keep spoiling it for me on Twitter. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's really it. I want to read again, too. Um, I have such a weird relationship with reading. But I have so many books that I want to read. So we'll see what happens. I don't know how many films I'm going to watch in February. But hopefully it's enough to make a video or a podcast episode out of it. At the, at the least, it's just got to be less than 20. And uh, <laughs> it'll still fill up 30 minutes. Because we're heading to 40 minutes right now. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I'm really happy to be back here at The Come Up. I hope you guys have a great day. Let me know what kind of movies you watched. And send me an email or something at ZackSnyderProductions at gmail.com if that's something you're interested in. Or just go to ZackSnyderProductions.com. You see all my social media and all that kind of stuff. Hit me up in any of those. Let me know what you've been watching recently. I'd love to hear it. In the meantime, I will catch you in the next episode of The Come Up. Peace. <laughs>